This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Rest is Football. I'm Gary Lineker and joining me as usual are the wonderful pairing, um, don't know who wrote that, of Alan Shearer and Micah Richards. How are you both doing? Very busy weekends, I know, which is why our podcast is out slightly later uh, on a Monday than it normally is. I I, I don't want to depress you by starting with um, Newcastle just yet, um, Alan, but... um, a, a tough weekend for some and a better weekend for others, Micah. Uh, yeah, it's been a good weekend. Uh, Spurs were fantastic. Man City back to winning ways. Fulham, ecstatic performance with a 5-0 win. And the doom and gloom continues with Chelsea, a team I tipped to be very good this season and very much letting me down by the brilliant Everton. Right, let's start this week with the Rwanda policy, um, as I'm on the front page. I plead the fifth. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you upsetting now, Lineker? All the right people, Alan. All the right people. It's funny, if the Daily Mail were an individual, I think they'd be done uh, for stalking with their strange paranoia and weirdness around me. But anyway, I'm sorry, Alan, but we've got to start with the Spurs-Newcastle game, which I thought even, um, I thought was was tremendous. I thought Newcastle had a go in the first half. Um, It was end-to-end, but... um, they were really dominated overall. Excellent performance uh, from Spurs against a, I suppose, a jaded uh, looking Newcastle. I don't quite. Oh, come on. I don't quite buy that. Well, did you ever feel jaded in your day? You just get on with it, don't you? You just roll your sleeves up. In fairness to Eddie Howe and the players, I've never heard one of them say that they're tired. Correct. But all I keep hearing is reporters and pundits mm. and presenters saying, how tired they are, they must be, because the the same team have had to play five times in a row. I mean, forgive me for thinking anything different, but isn't it a fucking job to play football? That's not what they get paid for. <laughs> I'm I mean, with you, Alan. The one, thing, the one thing that has happened, Micah, is that they're not able to change it in the last 20 minutes. Other than, the, other than that, the 11 that they put out is really good. But the, the the thing that they're missing is being able to change it in the last twenty or twenty five minutes because of lack of options and the, with the injuries that they've had. So I don't I don't go along with the tiredness thing, um, and I'll never accept that 
players play too much football because they have the best sports science, they have the best pitches, they have the best physios, um, they have the best of everything. They don't sit on coaches now for six hours, they sit on private jets. So I'm, I'm always reluctant to say about players playing too much football. But I, I would disagree with 10%. I, I agree with you what you're saying, Al, but I believe the game's moved on and I'm talking about physically. I'm not talking that the game is the game. And I just believe the output of the modern day players. So when I started my career, yeah. I could play three games a week. No problem at all. I was a little bit lighter. Um, my body <laughs> could deal with it. When I started moving through my career, when I got to 25, 26, 27, th those ages there, I really did feel it. I used to be able to have one day recovery back in training. The later it goes on, it took me two days to, to recover. To recover from your big night out after the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. But in terms of the quality that they're playing as well. If they was playing just Premier League teams, I would agree with you a little bit more, but they're going to the Champions League. And we was there on that PSG night and it took all the emotion out of them. And sometimes when you've got a younger squad who are not used to dealing with it, it be can become difficult, especially when the they've got probably 10 key players out. So I had a little bit of sympathy the game, for them. I think that without doubt the game is um the game is quicker these days, but I think the support for the players has travelled a lot faster in the game. Yeah. You know why it's quicker though, Alan, don't you? It's the playing surfaces. That's what's well, made that's what the, I'm saying. Everything's that's better. made the game Every quicker. Single, but they don't have to trawl through thick mud. I mean you want to try doing that as well. I mean I hate going I'm not one of those that ever goes, Oh, in my day it was so much better. I think their game is way better now than it than than it ever was in my time because of things like the playing surface and stuff. But even, you know, even take a World Cup, for example, which is probably as an exhausting month of football that you could possibly play. And you play every three days, every four days. Usually, well, it's always in the summer if it's Northern Hemisphere. Uh, we played in Mexico. It's 40 odd degrees pretty much every game we played. Um, it was tough. Um, but would you ever want to miss a game? No. Would you ever want to come off with 10 minutes to go? No. You just you just kind of fight your, your, your determination the, and stuff. Absolutely. Here's the thing, and I, I repeat again, I don't think that a lot of the players will ever say that they don't want to play football. Most of them will say, oh, well, do you want to rest today? And the, the, every one of them will say, well, no, I'd rather play. But the problem is, is that from the age of seven, for the last 20 years, all we've ever heard and all that's always been pumped into young kids is that you can't play three games a week. You play too much football. Do me a fucking favour, will you? Absolutely, Alan. And I'll make I'll, I'll say one thing about you. In the, in the last 20 years, the two greatest footballers on this planet have hardly missed a football match. Correct. You know, people say, yeah, but Messi walks around. But, you know, going back when he was playing for Pep, they were pressing and pressing and pressing. And, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a mental thing. You're told, if you're told else. enough times, if you're told enough times you can't play three games a week, eventually you're going to you believe, believe it. it. Yes, but Ronaldo and Messi... To be fair to them, they were luxury players. We didn't see Ronaldo. Part of the problem when not, Ronaldo Not in their prime, left. Micah. In their last few years, yes, not in their prime. Not when they were in their late in their 20s or even early 30s. That has only really come about in the last few years. 
They, they, you know, they both of them would have at times really played the high press and stuff. With, I mean, Messi, when Pep's, you can't play in a Pep side without without pressing. But they dictate the ball more often than not. So if you look at the sprints with mm. a, a Manchester City, say. Uh, they might have uh, better sprints or higher sprints over the first five yards to get the ball back, but they're not running as much as the other teams chasing them, you know? Well, let me take you to, to something that a certain um, hero of, um, of, of yours said, Thierry Henry. What is the hardest thing in football? The hardest thing in football is running with the ball. Now, both Ronaldo and Messi in particular, obviously, do that. The hardest thing is dribbling because people are wrestling you, fighting you, you're twisting, you're turning. That is the most physical aspect of football. Um, you know, I think obviously the, the medical side of things is great. And, 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 and I'm sure um, scientifically, um, yes, players will be better if they only play once a week and they'll be fitter and stronger. But I also think, how many games in your career, Alan, did you play where you thought, I feel absolutely 100% today? Hardly yeah, ever. Hardly ever. And, and also, I mean, again, I'm doing that thing where you go back in my day and it is different now. But, you know, what was it? One sub? Yeah. <laughs> One sub when I started. What is it now? Two 25. by the time I finished. Now you can have like loads man of squad and you can bring, what, five yeah. subs on? So Anyway, that's enough but of the old anyway. man's no, rant. <laughs> That's what, the old men are having a rant to say is, What I need to say is, Spurs absolutely battered Newcastle yes. and by, by far the better team and um, had my neutral hat on. The way they have their fullbacks playing, I mean, yes, it's high risk because Newcastle should have scored two goals in the first half with catching Spurs out, but they didn't and Spurs punished them for that. But the Spurs battered Newcastle, they were a much better team. Um, I love the way Ange, Ange yeah. ball and the way yeah, they it's play. Exciting, it's, it? yeah. it's so exciting. That's what yeah. football... That's should be about and also it brings me on to a topic not just about Tottenham because I'm talking about other other teams as well like really having a go at teams that you know normally are better and we saw that with Aston Villa certainly against Manchester City in midweek didn't we we're not seeing anymore team or well we are but not as frequently teams just come take Bournemouth at Manchester United on Saturday they had a real go high press went for them and teams are getting rewards for that now whereas before Teams would go to Manchester City or possibly Manchester United when they were playing better and stuff. And they'd sit and sit and sit and lose 2-0. But now they're having a go. Now they might get the odd thumping for that, but it's much better for the game when these teams do that. And it's rewarding. I think even, I mean, you look at David Moyes and West Ham, the way he's sort of, I mean, he's been around for God knows how long, Moyes, and had a great career. But even he's had to slightly change and think and and the thought process is they probably have to go for games a little bit more. I and mean, what I what I saw it. I mean, I, I was at the game on Thursday evening when Spurs played West Ham, and Spurs battered West Ham for the first half. But then West Ham came out in the, in the second half and had a right go, and then ended up getting all all three points. Well, if so they I carried it on, if they carried of, it on yesterday, it didn't quite work. <laughs> no, it, didn't, it didn't work for them yesterday. They got battered. But I think everyone's had to sort of change their. I don't know, style of play, if you like, because that is football nowadays and you have to, I think it's accepted that you have to play that way. Which is great. It's more entertaining mm. and much yeah. more enjoyable, Micah. Uh, uh, yes, it is. And um, We talk about enjoyment. We, we have to talk about the Spurs fullbacks, the inverted fullbacks. I did a piece yesterday on Match of the Day 2 and we've talked about Trent doing it at Liverpool, Cancelo at Man City, but... Uh, 
Udogi and mm. Poro yesterday Fantastic. were magnificent. But it's not just getting in there. When they get in it, they're doing it with a purpose. They're playing through balls. When they build up, they go straight in there. They don't wait to leave the space for Johnson or Kuliseski coming from the, the number 10 position or Son leaving the space for out wide. And then the movement with Richarlison. I just think Spurs now, no matter what, they, they might not finish top two. They might not challenge for the league like we was potentially saying a couple of weeks ago, but it's just a joy to see a team on the front foot, like you said, Gary. It's brilliant. Really yeah. is. And, and two goals uh, for Richarlison. It's it's funny, I didn't realise until I saw the stat yesterday that it's the first time he'd scored for Spurs uh, with either of his feet, and then in the, and then he scores another one with with his feet. So two in the in the same game. Um, football's a daft thing, isn't it? But <laughs> he he was he was full of energy. So we've said this before, haven't he? He just needs to get his confidence, and he could go uh, banging in a few goals. Can you see any way that that Newcastle can bounce back in midweek, Alan? Because it's yeah. a big one for them against Milan. Yeah, I can. It's a huge, they're great. Huge they're a different side at home as well. Yeah, I, I said that yesterday when I did PLP yesterday, Premier League television. Um, it's totally different when you're at home. You've got the backing of the crowd. They got two players back uh, yesterday in Longstaff and in Wilson who came on for the last 25 minutes-ish and, and looked decent. So I would imagine they'd be involved. Um, and Milan have got a few injuries as well. So I'd be more than confident that Newcastle can bounce back on Wednesday because the atmosphere will be electric again. Of course, it's not in their hands. Even if they win, it might not be enough. But the likelihood is, I think, that um, that Dortmund will do a job on PSG because I don't think they're a great team. No, I, I wouldn't disagree with you on that. Um, Chelsea. Oh. I mean, I mean, we we all oh thought, didn't we, that you know, get the right man in charge. But I think it's a, it's perhaps a little bit of a similar scenario to to Manchester United. It, it doesn't seem to be, you know, being run well at the top, and oh. it, you know, they they they're such a random. I mean, did you did you hear Poch yesterday after the game saying about the need for players in January? Yeah, I mean, it was only what six or seven, eight months ago we were saying they got too many players, and I think <laughs> I think if I'm not wrong in saying. I think in the last two years or 18 months, it's something like 960 million, just under a billion that they've spent on players. And I know he, he wasn't involved yesterday, but they've spent all of that. And this the, the, a 40-year-old, a 39-year-old is still their best centre off and silver. Yep. And they haven't got a centre forward. And whoever... <laughs> I mean, whoever is buying those players to give to the coach, someone needs to seriously have a look at themselves because whatever they're giving the coach at the minute is nowhere near good enough and they're spending an absolute fortune on players and wasted so much and giving them, or a lot of them, eight-year contracts. Oh, yeah. my goodness. It's extraordinary. You know what the, the mad thing is about Chelsea? They had 71% possession yesterday and they're still not creating enough clear-cut chances. They're creating half chances and Broya played okay. He tried to run in behind, tried to ruffle the fence a little bit, but I just, they need a striker. They need a striker they're ASAP. Not, they're how they're not you, easy to find though, are Seriously they? though, how can you spend just under a billion <laughs> pound and not have a centre forward? I, I mean, know. Well, they had Lukaku, didn't they? they that didn't work out. I mean, they've got Jackson and Kunku's injured and just trying to get get back. But <laughs> but are, are we are we being ultra nice because Poch is such a nice guy, or is it not 
is he coming to this and were we sort of naive thinking that he could put it right straight away? Or because if this was any other manager, I think they'd be getting so a little bit more pelters if I'm being totally honest. But we know what he could do. He's a lovely chap, but when does it get to the point where I'm not saying he's under pressure, but questions need to be asked of the the manager. Well, hang well. on a minute, Micah. Let's look at the Tuchel, Lampard, Pochettino. Well, T Tuchel sort of went, didn't he, around the time that Bowley came in because he clearly, he, I think he obviously saw what was coming here. He probably saw a bit of disarray at the top of the club and thought, I need to get out. Or who knows, it might have been the other way around. I think there was an aspect of Bowley wanted to sign players of, and, and um, Tuchel's going, no, I don't want him. I think it was Ronaldo issue as well. So um, I think maybe Tuchel, <laughs> Tuchel saw, um, saw what was coming. But yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, it's just absolutely staggering what's gone on and going on at, uh, at Chelsea. And they're going to have to be patient because that ain't a quick fix job. And patience isn't something associated with Chelsea Football Club over the years. I know it's different owners now. Um, I mean, I, I like I like Poch and I think if given time, it, it'll get it right. But I'm, I mean, when you spent that amount of money in there, 12th I think at this moment in time um, probably I think they were 11th or 12th when he took over something like that weren't they whilst we're on this game I think we should definitely give Sean Dyche and Everton a, a serious Amazing. mention if Everton hadn't had the 10 point deduction they would be now ninth in the league which speaks volumes for what he's done that's three wins on the bounce now um you know they they play his way. Um, he's uh, and it's working for them. It's it's it really is. And you know right. if you'd have said at the start of the season Everton during this season will get a ten point deduction and will they stay up? You'd have gone poor. Really, really difficult. Yeah, he's doing a great job, isn't he, Mike? He's, I mean, he's brilliant. He's got them going. The crowd have reacted. That everyone sort of reacted in the positive way that we thought they would do. That it was going to be the mentality of us against the world and. That's that's working for them at the minute, and Sean's doing a brilliant job. I think the the good thing uh, with Everton, they look a lot more settled now. I think Garner coming into the team has been outstanding. McNeil's playing to the level that got him his accolades at Burnley. Young Branthwaite at the back mm. was amazing. He's gonna he's going to the very top. He's going to the very top, and just his decision making. He, he, he reads the game well, he's quick enough, makes the right decision. He's got an experienced head with Tarkovsky beside him and he's got a manager who loves the defensive side of the game. So I just think Mario, them together, they deserve all the credit. Too They're early really for Branthwaite for the Euros, No, nope, no, not nope. too early. I would take him. I would take him, get him the experience. I mean, if you look at the centre-halves, you're looking at Maguire, Stones. Possibly Colwell. Gehi. 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 Gehi, yes, <laughs> Gehi. yes. We've got, we've got <laughs> Gehi. You're looking at Dunk. But there's not a great amount. Is that I would take him for the experience, not put too much pressure on him. You remember when, was it? Bellingham, not the last tournament, and I think I said a couple of years ago, I don't want him to start because I don't want too much pressure, but take him, give him the experience because he's going to go to the very top. 
It really is. We, we seem to do this quite a lot. Manchester United and a pickle. But before we get to Manchester United, um, Bournemouth, form team um, of the month. I, funnily enough, when Ten Hag was given manager of the month, I thought it should have gone to Iraola um, for what the way he turned things around there. Uh, and then they gave uh, United a good thumping at Old Trafford. And um, um, doing match of the day on Saturday night and Jermaine was saying, um, and I sort of agree with him, he, he, he was saying he cannot see what Ten Hag's plan is and, and what is his style of play. Uh, um, it just doesn't seem to have stamped his authority on things. Or is it a case like we've said with Poch, where, you know, probably needs more time or um, can you see things turning around at, at, at Old Trafford? Are the problems right at the top, which we talked about, the trickle-down effect? Um, you've mentioned it lots of times, Alan. Um, but it's hard, to, it's hard to see what they're trying to do on the pitch, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I mean, they were, they, were, they were rotten again, weren't they? I mean, two of, two of those in three games... Because I, I was at um, I was at Old Trafford in midweek when they played Chelsea and there was a, they were much better. They had more played energy. Well. They played well. Should have won by more. And I thought, mm, okay, but then to put another performance in at home in front of your own fans, I thought, mm, yeah, it's. I mean, we've said it before. There's problems at that football club and who's making decisions, where they're going, how they're going to get there, when's it going to happen. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I said it before. They could finish fourth or they could finish eighth or ninth. I haven't got a clue. It's a bit of a basket-case club, isn't it, at the minute? I I just think that from top to bottom, people, because of the size of Man United, the players, the staff, even behind the scenes, they can't deal with the pressure of what comes with Manchester United. Tactically, they're not good enough. Um, Alan, Alan said it. You don't really know what the what what they're trying to do. Although when we know what they're trying to do in terms of get the ball wide, you know they want wingers to come inside, play the ball, but we're not seeing it. And then off the field, there's a story every single week about Man United because they're the biggest club in, in England. So that comes with added pressure and being a pro. I just believe the standards have dropped and when the standards drop, the confidence drops and then it's hard to get back. When you've got teammates like Matic coming out and saying players were late. What what, what do you mean players were late? Like for as much as the, the laughing and joking and the fun we have as, of players, you're never late to, to your job and something you love to do. And if that is the standard, how are you supposed to, when it comes on the pitch, and you look left and right and in front of you, oh, I know he's got my back. I know he's going to run, you know, 100% for me. And that's what you see. They just look too disjointed. It's not just one and two players. It's everyone. It's absolutely We've been everyone. in the game long enough, us three, to know. To know, yes. Looking, looking at that performance and looking at that, at their attitudes, that is not a happy camp. It's not a happy dressing room. There's splits in the dressing room. You can see it. I can tell. I don't know... But I just looking at the body language of players, I looking at him taking the captaincy from Maguire. I look at him, the problem he ha he's got with Sancho. I look at Marcus Rashford's body language. Uh, I look at uh, I mean, it's uh, wherever I look, I just see problems. What's the answer? How do they get out of this? This well, the answer's got to start from the top. They've got to sort the top out first, the very top, and then eventually, as I keep saying. 
other things will happen. But when, how, how I mean, it's just, it affects everything. Sure does. Um, Bournemouth, we can't not, can't not give them the, them credit. It was a fabulous performance. Um, I saw a quote from, um, it was Dominic Solanke saying, uh, I think we've just started clicking. At the beginning, under Andoni Iraola, we were still trying to find our feet with a new philosophy. We've definitely started gelling in the last few weeks and it showed on the pitch. And, and that's probably um, an advert really, isn't it, for managers to have a way of playing and stick to that way of playing until you ingrain it into into the footballers and, and the philosophy and, and the style and the shape. And it certainly seems to be taking effect. And we, you know, all of us had our doubts early in the season, but, but even you, Mike, you were saying even early in the season, you can say, I can see what they're trying to do. I can see, and it will come. And you were right. Yeah, I, I could see what they were trying to do. There was pressing really higher. There was trying the rotations. There was pushing further up the field, trying to box the other team in. But let's have it right. The, the reason why they're doing well is because they've bought into what the manager wants and they're finishing off the chances. How many times have we talked about Bournemouth? They're getting good positions and then they squander their chances. Solanke is in the form of his life. Semenya's playing really well. Also, the the fullback Kirkes is having a couple of the, the best games I've seen the fullbacks this season as well. They're just it's clicking and it's clicking at the right time. And when you get a, a few results, it breeds confidence and allows you to to buy in more what the manager's telling you. As soon as you get a couple of results, you're like, oh, actually. This works, the, the strikers are, are scoring goals, the midfielders are playing the forward passes, the, the fullbacks are overlapping and, and getting involved and they're solid at the back. Go to Old Trafford and get a, a clean sheet. It just breeds that confidence. Shows you as well, Alan, doesn't it? The, the, the mental side of the game is, 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 is so huge, isn't it? It is in any sport, Gary, isn't it? In any sport, in, probably in all sorts of uh, walks of life, but... Um, certainly in sport, if it's that thing in between the ears, and don't start, Alan. Don't start. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, Some have got a bigger thing in between the ears. <laughs> a bigger brain, yes, thank oh, you. Yeah, I'll take exactly. that compliment, Alan. Um, we've got lots more to discuss um, when we come back from the break, uh, including Manchester City uh, winning again and a first victory uh, for Sheffield United amongst other things but for now um, let's take a short breather to get our mental strength this episode is brought to you by hotels.com i was traveling internationally last year i was in mallorca i didn't know the island well i said let me head to the north head towards the water let me go on hotels.com and see what they have available something preferably on the beach maybe even a gym not only did i get those things there was a kid's session with exercise gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddleboards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! Welcome back to The Rest is Football with me, Gary Lineker, Micah Richards and Alan Shearer. Uh, we're reviewing um, the Premier League weekend of football, which um, was once again very entertaining as it was in midweek. Got some cracking games. Let's talk about Aston Villa. Within the space of, um, what was it, four days, beating Manchester City with a, an extraordinary performance. And then probably a little bit of a different kind of performance against Arsenal. Um, but they managed to win both those games by a goal to nil. Um, your former club, Micah, obviously didn't look anything like the club that when you were playing for them. But... <laughs> Cheers, Gary. <laughs> yeah, they got um, a decent right back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got a decent team. I mean, they really have. And um, your mate John McGinn was, was terrific again. Ooh. Hey, what did I tell you? A couple of years ago, I told you, you watch out for Super Johnny McGinn. What a player. What a player he is. You should be a manager, Michael. I, I, you know what? I might get into it, actually. Are you going to be my assistant or what? <laughs> I can't do this on my own. <laughs> but I just... Uh. No, when you play with someone, I always... was at Aston Villa and we had Grealish. And Grealish was the main man. He was the one who made things tick. He was the flair player. He was the golden boy. But McGinn did all the hard work, but had a great left foot, super strong. People don't understand how strong he is. When he bursts through and you try and like get the ball off him, he gets his big ass in there and he just, <laughs> he's got a great stance where he just says, get off me, great acceleration, the right passing. And a lot of people laugh when he come down from, from Scotland or can he mix it in the Premier League. After the first training session, I was like, wow, he could shoot, he could tackle, he was good in possession. And it makes it even better when he's a super nice guy. So when he's sort of showing this form, he had a little bit of dip, he had a dip. Was it last season or the end of the season before where you're thinking, come on, we need more from you. You're supposed to be the one that's going to lead this team. But then he's got his form back. He's just oozing with confidence. And he's just putting in performance after performance after performance. And I just knew it would come to this. He was linked with Man United and Liverpool um, a while ago, but... How good for him? He doesn't need to move. He's in a team which is he's fighting for the Champions League. Well, he league. can't move. He's got that big an arse. <laughs> and here you go. Here's a question for you. The best arse in football. And I'm talking about the way you use it when you play football. Ooh. Used to what be Mark Hughes. Are we talking about now? Gonna, I will give you another one, Alan, that you played for. Kenny Dalglish was yeah. unbelievable at 
easing his way into people and getting them on the half turn. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw Go Aguero into that conversation. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he was low sense of gravity. He couldn't get the ball off him. Wow. Mm. Yeah. When I was at Southampton, Chris Nickel left me out of a game against Man United to say, I just want you to sit and watch Mark Hughes, see how he backs into players, see how he does it all and what have you. And um, yeah, and then of course I went to Blackburn with Kenny, who was the master at it. Yeah. Uh, so those two were unbelievable. Yeah. You're talking about Mark Hughes there. I remember we played, we played against Mark Hughes. I can't remember which club he was at. He might have been Chelsea or Southampton. I talk, or maybe even Man United at the time. It was Tottenham against whoever he was playing for at the time. And Casa um, <laughs> just, he kept shouting, he kept shouting, just let Mark Hughes have it. He'll back his way all the way to his own box. <laughs> He'll shield it to his own box, he kept saying. Just let him have it. No, I'm, I'm going to throw in some randoms as well, just, just for, for context yeah. for the people. Yeah. I'm around Villa, John Carew. Oh, oh I remember John Carew, yeah. yeah. Jason Roberts. Oh, <laughs> horrible. Big Bunda. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be going back to that DVD of yours where you're black booty, wasn't you? <laughs> oh, he texted me. He texted me like my landlord, you know, who was telling the story. Oh, what did he say? God, brilliant. He said... He said black booty and then he put like a hand over his uh, the head. And I, yeah, and I said, do you remember it? He said, of course I do. What you don't know is while she was at training, I was watching it. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, oh, superb. Uh, we asked this question last week. Um, what's the best Villa can do? They can't win the league, can they? Can't do a Leicester. Don't think so. No. I think eventually we said it. My my belief is, and they're amazing. And he's doing an unbelievable job, Unai Emery. Yeah, once they once they get back into January, February, whether they add or not, I don't know. But their squad wise will be pushed to the limit, I think, because of so many games. But they can certainly push for top four. I've no doubt about that. But title, no. Earlier on, you were saying it doesn't matter how many games you play, Alan. Now you've changed your tune. Oh, interesting. Freshness, Gary. Depth of as squad. In bringing, as in bringing other players on, yeah. Yeah, I know. And if Ollie Watkins gets an injury. You think he's he's probably the... I think he's yeah. he's, he's certainly key to, to what they're doing and what they try to do, definitely. Mm. Yeah, he's, 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 he's been tremendous. He really has. Manchester City back to winning ways, much to the relief of um, their ambassador, Micah Richards, <laughs> no doubt. Um, <laughs> it, you know... They they just needed three points, didn't they? It wasn't it wasn't vintage City by any means, was it? No, it wasn't vintage. But I I really love the role of um, Foden playing in that number ten role. Mm, uh, him and Alvarez too. sort of switching between ten and nine was was really good. I actually thought Luton did very well in containing them a lot of the time, but it was just get over the line. I was happy for Grealish. As well, this whole Doku Grealish debate goes on. Who's more effective? And Grealish has showed, you know, why he's so important to this team. Your man Rodri back, man. What about oh. his involvement for the first goal as well? How how, how good is he? How good? We, we had a question, didn't we? Did we say yeah. Rodri, Rodri or Rice? Or Rice? Come on, guys. Are you are you still sick? Rice is 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 very good. Outstanding. No, no, absolutely. I know absolutely we should change our mind um, by a performance for a player against Luton. No, uh, no disrespect to Luton. I think I thought they had a real go yesterday. I thought they did really well. They're really competitive, Luton, and I mean they've taken 
Arsenal all the way, Liverpool as well there, and they push City all the way. So I think there's no expectation on them. It's a great atmosphere there. The manager's very in tune of what what and who they are, and um, they're being really competitive. So I don't think they can ask any more than that. I felt really sorry for them, and they have been unlucky. But you've got to say well done to City for getting over the line just even at half time, you thought, oh, they've got to turn this around, don't you? But you're right. Obviously, Rodri's a, a wonderful player. With um, Sheffield United, three points. Um, just Chris Wilder comes in. Um, second spell as manager of the club. He played for them as well, of course. You saw what it meant to him. Um, he's delighted to be back. I think we had him as a pundit in one game. Were you in that, Alan? I was, um, yeah. I like him. Back. I, I love the guy. Uh, and, yeah, he's got a great um, attitude. He knows Sheffield. It, uh, United inside out obviously been there um, he's got a huge task on his hands but those three points will go a long way I know they didn't get anything against Liverpool wasn't it in, the, in his first game but he only had 24 hours I think to work with them so um, it, that's what he'll try and do That he'll try and make them competitive particularly there at, uh, at home but that's that's a good start for him getting those three points yeah, you needed that Brentford weren't at the best and obviously they had a few injuries um, as well um, but wonderful goal from um, James McAtee. Did you see it? Yeah, great goal. Where's yeah. he? Where's he from? Where's he from? <laughs> oh, we know he's, he's a city. Never. I mean, the way he moves, <laughs> the guile on the boys just—you can tell he's been brought up the correct way, can't you? Always <laughs> looking to get on the ball. Lovely, both-footed, but his strike was exceptional. It was good to see because he went on loan there last year, didn't he? I believe so. Uh, played really well, uh, especially towards the back end of the season. And then it's always difficult when you come to the Premier League. Can you replicate it? You're always thinking, do you need to go back on loan to somewhere in the championship to get the gains? But he's come there, done very well, and he took his goal excellently well. So long may it continue. What about Fulham as well, by the way? Another five goals at home. Five then and five on uh, yesterday. Ten goals. Incredible. Two games. Jimenez. Jimenez is back, We said, it, we said back. it, didn't we? That if he, if he knocks a couple in that confidence thing, a bit like possibly Richarlison might now do. It's it, it, Again, it's that, that between the ears, Alan. Between the ears. <laughs> <laughs> it's a confidence thing, isn't it? It's crazy how it happens, isn't it? It's like yeah. it is. It is bad. Yeah. But I mean, with what Awobi, William, and uh, and him, they've they've got a decent front line, haven't they? I think the man manager deserves credit as well. Yeah. I yes, mean, I was just it. about to say really that. Do. It's a little tweak as well that he did. He's brought back in Tom Kearney into that centre midfield. He's a really role. gifted player, Kearney, isn't he? I think he's underrated. Do you not think he's underrated? In the championship, yeah. he was unbelievable. I remember when he was in the championship thinking, who is this guy? And then he sort of come to the Premier League, didn't get as much games as as you thought the second time round. I was thinking He's so good on the ball. Lovely left foot. See a pass. He, he always looks to play forward. It gives a license for Wobi to go down the width. And I just think he's he brings so much to this team, attacking-wise and controlling And the, the attitude of Paulinho, by the way, because after the disappointment of what happened to him on transfer deadline day, yep, for him, for him to, to come back and give the... I thought he was superb yesterday yep. as well. Speaking of... Um, 
Tom Kearney. Um, I, we have a group chat, one of our sister podcasts, The Rest is Entertainment, our new one, really. Oh, uh, it's flying, isn't it? It's doing very well with Richard Osman and Marina Hyder. And I strongly recommend it, not just because it's one of ours, but but because it's brilliant. Um, he's Richard Osman, I don't know whether people know, he's a massive Fulham fan. Um, and he was, he was actually saying a, a week, a couple of weeks ago, actually, he said, Ke- Tom Kearney, one of the most underrated players in, in, in the Premier League. And... Um, Richard Osman knows his football. He clearly <laughs> knows his football. Stick to entertainment. He'll <laughs> <laughs> enjoy that. It's a bit uh, like some should just stay out of politics, really, and stick to football, <laughs> isn't it? Absolutely, Alan. Gary's <laughs> getting a transfer. The rest is politics by the end of the season. Do get him signed I, up. I could get in that one as well. Oh, God, no, thank you very much. Um, <sighs> Liverpool. Amazing how many times they've turned things around late in games um, this season. And also we should talk about Mo Salah. I know it was a, a, a deflection, but um, Mo Salah, what, 200 goals now. Um, what a consistent performer. Mike has spotted his talent when he was a young man at uh, Fiorentina. And um, he's, he's, he's so good, isn't he? He's so Amazing. good. Amazing. I mean, his everything about him is just brilliant, isn't it? Goals, attitude, everything else is what. What a player! I think he's was it 150 goals, Premier League goals. What an unbelievable record that is! It, it, it really is. Um, Liverpool, Mike. <laughs> Look at Alan. Uh... <laughs> 247 games, 150 goals. What an unbelievable record that is, Micah. <laughs> Uh, 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 Why are you looking at me like Micah, that? What an unbelievable record <laughs> that is! Fuck's <laughs> sake, three times I've keyed you up. It's, it's, it's great for a winger, do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it just shows you how easy it is, doesn't it? Uh, uh, come on, but if, if, you, if it's, you're like a salmon fisher at the moment, Alan. you're going like you're flicking your rod in, you've got the fly, then you're flicking it again. Come on. Come on, give him a mention, Micah. 247, I mean, 150 and 247, Micah. That's what an unbelievable record. What was your record, record. Alan? I what think was it was something record? like 211 or 12 or something like that. Ask <laughs> oh, dear. Fantastic. <sighs> Micah, are Liverpool getting away with it or is this the sort of thing that will mean they'll be right there at the end of the season? You know what yes. I'm saying, don't you? The fact they're losing sometimes in these games, is that a sign of weakness or is it the fact that they're turning around a massive sign of strength? Uh, I would say it's a, a sign of strength. I think Saboshlai uh, we've talked about adds another dynamic. I believe the, the substitutions of Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott. And Harvey Elliott, he, he's almost not ready to play week in, week out for Liverpool, but he could play in any other Premier League team. He just gets on the ball, finds space and makes things happen. I feel he's, he's too good to be on the bench, but he wouldn't leave this Liverpool, if you know what I mean. And I just think the changes that Klopp made were brilliant. Salah, not even having to play well, but just scoring. Nunes, although he frustrates a lot of strikers, he still creates for other players to come into the pitch. You know, with Jota and and, and Diaz, you're always going to get a goal. I think Liverpool are challenging. I don't think it's always going to be pretty because I feel they concede too many goals still. But I think they're in with a shout. I don't think they'll do it, but I think they'll challenge all the way. It'd be interesting to see if we got a really good, tight, 
title challenge. I think we, it? I think we're gonna. I think we might. Yeah. And I think we, we're gonna. Yeah. I think. I it, mean, City have got to go away three. and play that World Club competition yeah. as well, which will, you know, that's a lot of travel um, to that. Few games, then come back, then have a, obviously there'll be a backlog of fixtures at some point for them as well. Um, Liverpool going well, obviously Arsenal right up there, Aston Villa even as well, and. I think Tottenham now bounce back. It's theirs to lose, really. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Once again, over the weekend, there were a few discussions about VAR and actually mainly around the Arsenal-Aston Villa game. But it was more really the handball law that is at fault. But it's exacerbated, of course, by VAR because it gives them the opportunity to try and find these um, ridiculous um, decisions. And everyone was thinking it's a bit of a nonsense at the moment. So what I thought I'd do on, um, I think it was Saturday, no, yesterday, I thought I'd do a poll on Twitter and I did the following. Should we keep VAR, can VAR, or just keep goal line technology and the offside aspect, particularly, I suppose, when it becomes automated? And the results are as follows. What did we get? 100,000 votes. Now, that's a lot. If you did that in a political poll, not that I'm going to go into politics, (laughs) that would be, that's much bigger than they would normally do when they're trying to seek out um, views of people. So, keeping VAR, less than one in four, 23% of people would, would, of football fans would keep VAR. Can VAR, 30%. And the biggest with 47% was just keep goal line technology and offside. And I thought, so that's nearly 50%. But overall, you could say 77% of people would um, get rid of everything other than goal line technology and, and offside, which speaks volumes. I suspect if it was limited to just those fans that went to football matches, I think there'd be even fewer people that would want to keep um, VAR. And now... I don't think, or I don't suspect that football will want to listen to what the fans think. Um, But maybe, maybe they should at least have a debate about it. What do we think? Well, my 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 thoughts about VAR going forward is is what we've been saying all season. We have to, as a fan, the fans in the stadium have to know what's going on. There has to be better communication. There has to be a time limit on decisions and what have you. If it takes longer than a minute, then it's clearly not clear and obvious. I'll maybe change it. Indisputable. Maybe change the word to that. Realistically, is it actually workable? Because in the end, it's 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 still subjective, isn't it? It comes down to somebody's opinion watching a television set. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, I said on Saturday night on Match of the Day that I was an advocate of, of bringing in VAR and, and now I feel guilty about doing that. I feel I was wrong. I feel apologetic. I don't mind admitting that. I, I just think it's, it's had a negative effect on our wonderful sport. Yeah, yeah but that's only because it's not been used correctly. How do you use it correctly? I just don't know how. You can say, well, you bring in ex-players, but I, 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 I go online and I'll look at like Twitter or X, I should say. And even on decisions that some people will say are clear and obvious, other people will disagree with it. So I just don't see, it'll never be perfect. It can't be perfect because it, it, it's subjective. And I think when we envisaged VAR, we all thought what it would be there for 
would be the hand of God moment. Something absolutely incredibly obvious. But where do you draw the line at what is an absolute howler? For some people, one thing will be a howler and it won't be for another person. So I don't think it can ever be perfect. But I think in terms of the fans in the game, I absolutely totally agree with Alan. They need to know what's going on. They need to see it. We need to see the images that they're seeing. We need to hear the conversations that they're having between the VAR and the referee. I think that would improve it. Um, They need to make it very quick. I think if you're going to stick with VAR, the only way you can do it is, like in other sports, you have an appeal process. You have maybe Two times in a game where a side is allowed to appeal a decision. Therefore, if they get it wrong, you lose that appeal. If you get it right, you keep your two lives. A little bit like in cricket. You're not stop-starting it again, though. I mean, you're on about how it has to be quick. Then you're saying, well, you're allowed an appeal and the game's going to be stopped again. I just trying to think of ways and and then have a, you know, and, and bring in a time limit or something. But I... Is it I, really? I is it really this fucking difficult? I think it I mean, is. Yeah, really. I think it is, Alan. Yeah, seriously. I do. Really? Yeah, I do. I, I think it is complicated and difficult. I think you know you can try and tidy it up, and obviously simplifying the laws certainly around handball would 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 make it a lot. Let me just easier. go back to the very beginning. Mm. It was brought in for the absolute howlers, and they said to us they weren't going to re-referee the game. Yeah, right. Well, they are exactly. So there's the there's the issue for let's just the absolute you said it the Maradona moment but how do you define what is disputable instead of clear where? and obvious just yeah. the, the the howlers that's it the absolute howlers and it, if it if it takes 1 minute 45 seconds it's too long it's not disputable it's not that obvious if you've got to look at something 10 times it's not that obvious I got I got um, a, a tweet asking. Actually, it was one of um, one of the tweets that was asking as a question for the question episode. But I'm going to stick it into this one now uh, from Simon Harris, um, man behaving badly. Um, um, should they develop VAR further and have a panel of 100 TV viewers? Uh, so five supporting each Premier League team um, to live vote on every required decision. <laughs> I, I mean, he was joking. I make that clear. He's quite. A, he's quite a funny guy. And, to, and I think that's where it's leading, isn't it? It's absolute madness. Um, I just think we will be here, honestly, if we're all still alive. And I know what you're going to say, Alan. I'm on the 17th green now um, in terms of my golfing life. Um, I, I think we'll be having the same conversation. I, I just don't think there's any way around it because I don't, th- they're not going to, well, they'll continue to try and tinker with it and meddle with it, but it's not going to get, I just, I don't envisage it, it getting any that, better. It doesn't help that the lawmakers keep changing the handball law either. I mean, they, they, they don't often make it difficult for referees sometimes because it's so pathetic. And they've got to think of so many things that it's just ridiculous. So they don't they don't help the referees and and sometimes in making the laws. But we will see, I think, semi automated offsides next season. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. It's like Boring. a time of talking about it all the time, which is costing people. If the referee makes a bad decision in a game, you get on with it, like we all dealt with. Offsides, yes. We agree with that. 
The rest of it is is nonsense. Goal line technology, that's a different thing. Yes, we can have that. Everything else, get rid of. Simple as that. Right, let's branch out a little to um, matters further afield. Um, I don't know whether you noticed, but Bayern Munich lost 5-1 to um, Eintracht Frankfurt at the weekend, um, which was an um, extraordinary result, really. Um, but it the reason I want to talk about it is because of a conversation we had the week or so ago about um, XG, expected goals. Uh, Thomas Tuchel came out after the game and said, yeah, well, you know, they were the better side, yeah, blah, blah, blah. He said, but we won the expected goals. <laughs> Did he, he really? Did. I didn't hear he that. Did. Is that what he, he said? said? After the game, he said, yeah, you know, they, 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 we had more chance, you know, blah, blah, blah. We won the expected goals. Should oh. give him three points for that. That's what, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking uh, the, the same thing. But, uh, it's quite tight at the top in the, in the, in the German uh, league. Uh, let's finish, um, as we, we try to do on the Monday episode, with um, moments of the week. I've got two, though. I've got two this week. Um, the first one, um, Girona, that a little tiny town in the north of Catalonia. I talked about it um, and, and what's going on there. They're doing a bit of a Leicester in La Liga. Um, they're right at the top. Um, they won away at Barcelona last night um, by four goals to two. And I know it's part of the City group before you mention it, um, Micah, but they've not really hardly spent any money on that particular club. It's tiny. They got up into the into La Liga um, just, what, 18 months ago. Um, it's, it's an incredible story if they carry on and it probably compete with Leicester if they go all the way. Um, I still suspect they won't because it would be a bit of a sporting miracle. So um, they deserve a shout out. And my final one, I don't know whether you saw, did you see um, one of the great shithousery merchants in our game, um, uh, Emmy Martinez? Of obviously the goalkeeper Aston Villa at the end and I thought it was really refreshing actually because the interview asked, asked him can Aston Villa win the league do you believe and he went yeah I'm a believer mate <laughs> <laughs> and there's a little bit of a brummy accent in there as well I think from, from him he's been there a while and and that's quite refreshing because normally he's saying well no let's be let's let, let's be let's be humble let's take one game at a time he went no nope, I'm a believer mate yeah of course we can <laughs> yeah. I like think- his I like his attitude man yeah me too I like, I like watching him I don't mind a bit of that yeah, yeah I, like it. That I like it kind of yeah. shithouser and stuff on the- and he does it on the pitch does he and all that sort of stuff uh, what about he was celebrating at the World Cup when he was uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, he's a character let's say that he's a character did I I hear I think I heard on the news correctly this morning saying that Girona have never finished inside the top 10 oh they've only they've only I think this is only like the second or third season I think in in the top flight in their history unbelievable I mean it's 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 mad um and it's a, it's a tiny, tiny little club. And obviously, they that was, you know, the new thing, the Catalan derby, they call it. It was never such a thing. Um, it used to be Espanyol in Barcelona. Now it seems to have become uh, Girona. Um, amazing. Um, up in the Costa Brava there. Ah, Couple of players we might know. Daily yeah. Blind's there. Yes. Eric Garcia is there. Yeah. yeah. is there as well. I love it when you do your homework, Micah. Oh, we try. You oh, come on. He's, he's looking at his notes, and well done, Mike. <laughs> yeah, we <got> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> no, that'd been excellent. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that uh, particular story. But I think that draws us to a close. We'll be back with our questions episode uh, on Wednesday. Um, thank again for sending all those questions in. They're terrific. But for now, goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Goodbye from me. Have a good week. <laughs>